All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? Today, uh, Namesh Patel, uh, he's a funny guy. I didn't know this guy. I'd heard his name, and I'd heard about some uh, controversy he'd gotten into by being sort of uh, pulled off stage, shut down after doing a joke uh, at a at a college show. He was at a college show for a group of, uh, I think, uh, uh, Asians in the college. He was the guest for having been the uh, first um, South Asian person to write on SNL. And he did a joke at a college event that I, I believe is a good joke. I believe the logic stands. I believe its heart was in the right place. But uh, it didn't sit well with the organizers. They felt that it triggered some people or it offended some people. And I think it was a, really a misunderstanding of a, it was a, you know, it was a bold joke. But he was, uh, he was shut down from the show and removed from the stage, basically. So I wanted to talk to him about that. But also in, in the uh, course of getting to know his material, I, he's a great comic. Very funny. He's got that New York thing. He's got, you know, he definitely came up in New York. I know what it looks like when somebody comes up in New York. I can hear the tone. I can hear the inflection. I can hear the cadence. I generally know if they're younger comics, uh, where all those influences are and who they are, which ones of my peers they are. So it was, uh, it was good to, uh, to talk to him and get to know him. So that, that's happening. That is happening for you people. Namesh Patel soon. I'll be doing five shows at Helium in St. Louis, September 14th through 16th. Then I'll be at the Las Vegas Wise Guys on September 22nd and 23rd for four shows. And in October, I'm at Helium in Portland, Oregon on October 20th through 22nd for five shows. Those shows are selling out. I believe I have a show at Largo. I do, uh, September 6th. I'll try to get that up on the website for you L.A. people or people traveling to L.A. September 6th a solo comedy show as I try to put together the hour or so necessary for touring next spring. Is it spring? Is January spring? I'm going to be a, doing a couple of chunks of touring in the spring and fall because I'm a comedian and I'm still doing a lot of comedy. So that's going to happen. You know, something is kind of, I, I don't know if I'm on the wrong side of things. I, I don't, look, I, I don't, it, I do know that I got worked up in my car looking at my phone. Yeah, for a couple of reasons. I, I, first of all, there, there's just this never-ending, anytime a movie comes out that uh, pushes any buttons whatsoever, usually there's just a, a, a tsunami of anonymous no-talents, bitter about their lack of cultural agency, who, who just pile on the courageous work of artists and creative people. I mean, that's just the nature of social media and of platforms and of clickbait press. And it's just something we've you know gotten used to. But sometimes the effect is, is uh, detrimental to, to the, the sort of um, rising and, and, and celebration of, of tremendous pieces of work, storytelling, plays, theater, film, comedy, whatever. It just, it's just the way it, it goes now. But then when it becomes more specific, I question that as well. And like, for instance, I went to see Oppenheimer 
and I'm a relatively smart guy. Uh, my, I don't believe that my education was that good because I wasn't very interested as a younger person in much of the education I got. But watching Oppenheimer, I had no idea w- that he was a Jew, which is crazy because I, I tend to know those things. And I had no idea that there was a subtext to this story, which was really about uh, Nazi genocide, a reaction to Nazi anti-Semitism, and a reaction from a group of Jews who were scientists and physicists and engineers, uh, which was part of the incentive to creating a weapon that would stop Hitler. Though, after all was said and done, Hitler had been stopped and the project moved on. But... For all intents and purposes, it, it was about, it was a reaction in many ways to uh, not, you know, not just anti-Semitism, but to, to genocide, to attempt to genocide. But my point is that it is a Jewish story. And in watching the movie, I was, I was thrilled to learn that being the, I guess, dolt that I am in terms of that particular piece of history. But I was excited to, uh, to see it uh, so well portrayed and well acted and well constructed as a film and as a story. And after the fact, I, I had absolutely no problem that uh, Killian Murphy played Oppenheimer, a Jew, an Irish guy. I just, I, I didn't even really think about it. And even now that I'm thinking about it, I have no problem with that. Does that make me a bad Jew? Am I not on the right side of things in terms of Jewish representation? Do I have a deep problem when, when non-Jews play Jews? I, I don't. I know some people have an issue with non-Jews playing Jews in an overly Jewish way, that when you see a non-Jew you know, taking on the tics and habits and uh, stereotypical tics and habits of Jews, the, uh, hey, I don't know, the boo, hate the boo, ba ba boo. I would have to think about it. I, I guess I could see that as uh, what they call Jew face to a degree if, if it is not coming from a organic place or a studied place, if it is meant as a mockery. And sometimes uh, that kind of thing can be a mockery without meaning to be. And I, I get that. But there seems to be this pre, uh, it's not, it's not even out yet. Um, this movie Maestro uh, that Bradley Cooper did uh, about a specific time in the life of the composer Leonard Bernstein. Now, or Leonard Bernstein, sorry, did I non-Jew it? Leonard Bernstein. Now, look, I, I guess there was an issue with the nose. I guess that, that some uh, uh, people, some Jewish groups, before the movie has premiered, uh, had an issue with the nose, and Bradley Cooper decided to uh, use a prosthetic nose to look more like Leonard Bernstein. And right now, I, I don't have a problem with it. Does that make me a bad Jew? Am I on the wrong side of things? And I, of course, that argument probably deepens into like, why couldn't they have got a Jew to play Leonard Bernstein? I, I don't know. I know there's plenty of Jewish actors and actresses. Uh, I, I don't know if they necessarily would have been good or bad at playing Leonard Bernstein. I don't know. There's only a few Jewish movie stars 
There's only ever been a few Jewish movie stars. I could probably name them. Uh, over time, there were more Jews back in the day doing the big movies than there are now. But I mean, you've got your Sandler, you've got your Stiller, uh, you've got your Paul Rudd. But uh, but ultimately, I just it it kind of it, it kind of baffles me that these are the sort of protest points or the the crisis points the the where the juice is around making a statement about anti-Semitism. I mean, the world is dying culturally and literally, and you want to nitpick about the intent of a nose as, as a, an anti-Semitic statement. I mean, come on. I mean, it's clear that Bradley Cooper immersed himself in this story. He thought it was an amazing story to be told about one of the great composers of the 20th century. There's no doubt that this is a tribute and an homage and an interpretation of the genius of a great artist that almost all people, that almost all people of all ages know nothing about. Zero. An American genius. Okay, you know, he, he, he wrote mid, uh, you know, West Side Story. But this guy was an important composer that changed the popularity and and focus on classical music and and i don't think that bradley cooper going into it decided like you know i gotta jew this up i gotta put on a jew nose and jew it up i i don't think that was his intent it couldn't have been his intent was not anti-semitic why would he do that at the center of that movie and whether or not he could have found or, or, or chose to even look for a Jewish actor to play Leonard Bernstein. Would it have gotten the same attention of Bradley Cooper doing it, telling this part of this story of this great uh, Jewish composer? Uh, you know, sure. I mean, maybe you could have got a, a Jewish actor to, to do it for, you know, a National Geographic miniseries. But am, am I being, am I not responding to the wave of anti-Semitism that is enveloping the world properly, something I talk about constantly and push back against constantly by not becoming obsessed or focused on Bradley Cooper's prosthetic nose for his portrayal of Leonard Bernstein, for not focusing on the fact that Bradley Cooper, as far as I know, is not a Jew. Am I, am I on the wrong side of things or am I okay to be excited to learn more and see more of the interpretation of this great Jewish composer's work done by an actor and director and writer who obviously is, is obsessed to the point that he thinks it's an important story to be told. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe my heart's in the wrong place, but my innate reaction, same with Oppenheimer. It's like, look, I thought Oppenheimer was a great Jewish story. And the fact that Killian Murphy wasn't Jewish in, even in retrospect, doesn't bother me because now I know that story and that portrayal was real. It was an honest portrayal done by a great actor. And I'm happy that story was told about a Jew and that it put, uh, uh, it made his new, his Jewishness an important part of the story. Even looking at Jew, you know, like that, well, I'm going to get into trouble. Even looking at pictures of Oppenheimer, I'm, I'm not like, well, there's a Jewish guy. And there are certainly plenty of Jewish actors in Oppenheimer. But, uh, but again, 
you know, I'm I'm excited to see Maestro. I've been excited about it for like the first I heard about. It, I was I thought what a bold, weird story to tell for Bradley Cooper, a guy who can make a movie and can act his fucking guts out. I was excited to learn about Leonard Bernstein. The fact that Leonard Bernstein's family, his kids, had to step into the fray and 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 defend Bradley Cooper's nose. Defend Bradley Cooper's prosthetic nose as honoring their father and even speaking for their father and saying he would have been fine with it. That that had to happen. It's, it's just crazy to me. It's crazy without anyone having seen the movie. I don't know. I just don't know. Maybe I'm wrong about this. Maybe I have to do some deeper thinking about it. Maybe I'm even pronouncing his name wrong. Maybe it's Leonard Bernstein. But I think it's Leonard Bernstein. See, am I a bad Jew or just a dum-dum? So listen, uh, Namesh Patel... Uh, has a comedy special, the one I watched, and he's got a couple out there and some other footage. Uh, it's called uh, it's called uh, Lucky Lefty. I don't want to spoil it for you, but he's talking about the one ball he had left after having one removed because of testicular cancer. You can watch that on YouTube. His Fast and Loose comedy tour is now underway. Go to findingnamesh.com for cities and tickets. This is me uh, meeting and talking to Namesh Patel. But yeah, I don't trying to figure out like I did I didn't see you like you're like I'm now old enough to realize that there's at least two generations after me that I missed entirely. Uh-huh. So like I don't I never saw you in your nascent stage. No, I started in 2009. So Oh no, like yeah. I'm I'm long gone. And that's what, <laughs> But but like I watched a special and uh, I watched the other things, some of them. But like your Jersey guy? Jersey, born and bred, Parsippany, New Jersey. Parsippany. Yeah. It's, My producer's wife comes from there. Yeah, it's a great town. Is it? Uh, ranked uh, number 13th best place to live in like by the New York Times, like 2010 or something. That's a long time ago. Yes. <laughs> We've fallen like, off since. You're like one of those restaurants that never takes the sign out of the window. Hey, if, I, if, if, if my restaurant got a Michelin back before. <laughs> a Michelin? Michelin? Yeah. How about just an A rating? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Zagat rated. Right, there it's you go. It's good. <laughs> 2010? Sure. Yeah, yeah. It's been through three owners, but you know, it still fucking means yeah. something. It's chef's dead. <laughs> but like, yeah, obviously. But like, like what was, uh, but your, your parents didn't, weren't born here? My parents born and raised in uh, Gujarat, India. They came in uh, 79. Gujarat? Yeah, so it's a western state. Yeah, I don't like 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 I'm I'm I don't I don't know about India enough. Uh-huh. And I do this with most pe- most people who come from India. Uh-huh. You know, I, I I'll, I'm left to only talk about bread uh-huh. and food. <laughs> nah, and so, food. <laughs> I'm happy to talk about that shit too. But, but but like, is this is this dosa territory no, or, this or is, curry territory? It's uh, neither really. Uh-huh. It's more like a. a Pure, like a lot of vegetables. Yeah, a lot of rice dishes. So, is a vegetarian? Yeah, I mean, Gujarat is a is a dry state. It's where the prime minister's from. It's oh yeah, a, it's probably one of the most popular states in India. A dry state. Yeah, no alcohol. You could get it, but it's not legal necessarily. And, and what what is the line with the vegetarian versus non vegetarian? That's still house to house, depending on the yeah, religion. Yeah, it's still have house to house on religion. Like I grew up, my dad grew up eating chicken. Mm. Um, but like beef and stuff was never in our house. But my mom 
my mom is the daughter of a Brahmin priest. Yeah. Uh, which is like the highest, if we're going to talk about the caste system, it's yeah. like the highest caste you could be. Yeah. And so there was never any meat in that house. It was all purely vegetarian. A Brahmin priest. Yeah. Uh, which is like the, uh, you were like, it, it's like above like doctor and all that shit. You oh, were, yeah. You were like the holiest person you could be. Right. So you're the community leader in a exactly. way. And he was, you know, he was, uh, my grandpa was. You know uh, that guy? My grandpa? Yeah. Yeah. He was, uh, he passed away in 2021. Uh, uh, okay. But he was, uh. Uh, like the headmaster of his school, teacher of his school, like, and my grandma taught English to like, like to like third graders, yeah, fourth yeah, graders. Yeah. So uh, they had like a huge community around them. They yeah. were like leaders in the community for yeah, sure. My grandpa yeah. was in the government from what I'm told. Yeah. We never like, one of my regrets is never like fully asking him all about all that stuff. Like right. in my age when I could remember it. But did you, you were born here? Yeah, I was born in Jersey, you know. Uh, they came over in the 70s? My my, I think my dad came in 79 and my mom came in 81 or 82. What was it like? What was the reason for that? Do uh, you think? Uh, opportunity here. Uh, the opportunities, I guess, there in India for what they were doing was not, uh, was not, were not as abound. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. And my grandpa came here first my, oh, he on, my, on my mom's side. My, the Brahmin guy, he couldn't yeah, leave. Yeah, no, the <laughs> Brahmin guy came over here first. He did? He came here I, I don't even recall. So how do you, how, how do you like, are, are you that high up in the community and that important to a uh -huh. community and you're just sort of like, I'm done. I think it was, I think it was a function. His brother came mm. and his brother, a bit more educated, yeah. uh, got like a very good job yeah. in pharmaceuticals. All right. And so he was like, come over here. It's great. Yeah. Uh, so he's like, all right. Yeah. And so he's like, all right, the whole family's going. And so like in piecemeal, my, my mom's oldest brother went. The uh, or my mom's youngest brother went, and then my mom's older sister came. And why Parsippany, you think? Well, they ended up in Newark. Yeah. Uh, in, I guess, the late 70s, early 80s. It was heavy in Newark. It was heavy in Newark. Yeah. And uh, the, the, the family lore is that one day my grandpa was in the elevator uh, uh, in his apartment complex. He got punched in the face and robbed. And it was like, all right, well, time to leave Newark. <laughs> and then they literally. It's probably a common story. And it, was, it was literally, it was literally like, what is the widest place we can go? And it was Indian flight instead of white flight. But it was like, they were like, okay, where's Parsippany? And they were like, okay, Parsippany is like the, the real estate agent showed them a nice yeah. house by the lake. Yeah. And uh, they were like, uh, it was within budget. The whole family moved. They're like, that's it. And they still have that house. Really? Yeah. So there wasn't a big uh, Indian community? No, there was. I think we might have been some of the first Indians in Parsippany for sure. What about now? It's it's Edison 2.0. If you don't know Edison, New Jersey, it's fucking... It's, all, all Indian? Yeah, it's all Indian. <laughs> it's now... I mean, Parsippany is... So you guys put the word out? We. T I mean, that's how that's how Indians ended up here in the in the, in the the world. Like, <laughs> Yeah. I'm doing a bit about it now, but yeah. it's I haven't figured it out yet, but, you know... What's the angle? It's like who was the first Patel in in the states? <laughs> it's like a like a biblical story. Yeah, because you know I've read this book called Life Behind the Lobby, yeah. which is uh, a book about you know how Indian Americans ended up owning like forty percent of the hotels and motels in this country. <laughs> yeah, and, that's and also truth. the Dunkin' Donuts. Yes, and also the Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> yeah, and, but the story remains the same. It's like okay, they, it's an easy cash business to understand. Yeah, and. Uh, you can call up your family to work and stay at the place you're working at, yeah. save a bunch of money, and then venture out on your own. And it's literally that story like replicated against Dunkin' Donuts, against 7-Elevens, against hotels. Is Hudson News Indian? 
I know Hudson. I, you know, I know why you would ask that because <laughs> <laughs> it's like Indian guys everywhere. But I'm not sure what the origin story of that is. But like, yeah. I, I imagine it's it's one cousin yeah. who got a job yeah. and was like, "Yo, it's easy to get a job. <laughs> like this is what you got. This is fill out this paperwork. Just put your name, live in my address, and we got a new job for everybody." But same with taxis. It's it's the same everywhere. You know, yeah. it's like the, our origin story is very unique and very similar in that it's like it's hard to imagine another group of people uh uh contacting their family and having causing like mass migration but that's exactly what it is for everyone i think well i mean it, voluntarily I, I think that there was definitely an influx yeah of certain types of communities and mm -hmm. jews were all sort of like you know i think maybe europe's something, not for us something happened there. yeah, yeah once, <laughs> once you get out of the camp you're like maybe it's time to <laughs> Don't we'll go somewhere where we might be a little <laughs> less unwanted. Yeah, but uh, but th it's sort of fascinating though that you can track the the sort of it, the the family nature of it. Yeah, it is. So it, it's a beautiful thing, but like the angle of the joke is yeah. like that. The first Patel must have been a liar, <laughs> right? Because yeah. it's like. Yeah, come to Jacksonville. It's awesome. Like, no. <laughs> we'll get you set up. It's oh, going to be fantastic. Yeah, a man. lonely liar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, need, uh, uh, we need a little more representation in yeah. Jacksonville. Yeah. Come to fucking Topeka. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, like But that. they did do that. Yeah, they know, did. Yeah, I've, I learned from a guy that there is a, an organization with Jews coming over from Europe mm -hmm. that literally helped them find uh, homes all spread out all over the country. Yeah. Just so it wouldn't happen again. Yep. They were like, we got to spread we out. We got to diversify. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, my favorite story of uh, one of my friends told me is that her dad landed with like $8 in San Francisco, opened up the phone book, and just called the first Patel that he saw. <laughs> I swear to God. And was he a Patel? Yeah, he was also a Patel. It's like, and like that's a that in the Patel community, that story is replicated a billion times. Right. It's like that kind of bond of because back in the day when you were a Patel, you were coming from a specific part of India, and like they always ask you like, "What's your gom?" Which is, "What's yeah. your village?" Like, yeah. where are you from? And that that enough was like we have a shared experience together yeah we know what it's like we can help each other out yeah let's at least try to make something of ourselves here but a lot of the patels obviously they don't know each other no hey, but what is the what is the the uh the the history of that name the, well patel means landowner okay uh, so it's kind of like smith but it's just it 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 did it dictated what you had and what you where you were from originally originally so there's no necessarily blood relationship between all the Patels. No, 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 no. Unfortunately, unfortunately not, because then I fucked a lot of cousins. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> thank God. <laughs> Did you marry a Patel that no, was already a Patel? No, no. My wife is from Connecticut. She was Jewish. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah, How's that going? It's great. I've been. <laughs> we've been together for 10, married for three now. I, it was just like, I get, sometimes I get flack. Mm. from like uh indian people do uh, you yeah just like oh fucking sell out indian yeah. guy married a white lady it's like well when i started comedy there weren't exactly indian women flocking to comedy clubs yeah like oh who's the new hot fucking yeah <laughs> indian guy, <laughs> indian guy yeah. doing check spots yeah yeah <laughs> no you got to open for russell peters for that yeah attention. it was <laughs> shout out russell it was it was just like dating is such a function of proximity Sure, and she was a waitress, and I just and that was before it was a, a, a function of your phone. Yes, so you, you got in under the, the wire. Yeah, I yeah, did yeah. Old, I, I She was a waitress at the cellar. No, at a, a stand-up New York. 
Oh, really? Yeah, and I just bothered her. Sure. <laughs> for that's a, for that's a long a, time. The comedian tactic. <laughs> it's just like Costanza. Yeah, you, know? yeah, you bother them until they're a little sympathetic, and then you start complaining about the world. Exactly. <laughs> and here we are. It's basically my day every day. Do you have day. kids? No, no, no. Working on it. We'll see what happens. Oh, yeah? Yeah, With yeah. With the yeah. one ball? With the one ball. <laughs> The strong one. <laughs> you know, the doctor told me after I lost it that yeah. you didn't want that ball anyway. You yeah. know, that ball's juice was no good. That was a bad ball? Yeah, you'd be walking around with... Uh, so the cancer ball was not a juice pr- pr- uh, uh, maker? No, I mean, it made juice. It was just bad. bad. You, you, don't want, you don't want the... Bad ball juice? Yeah, bad ball juice. <laughs> <laughs> you get a bad ball kid. <laughs> is that true? Mm-hmm. No you shit. Ju- you just... Uh, the, doc- the way the doctor put it is like, your sperm will be passing along... DNA that would be more inclined to have cancer because, because it, it was come from the cancerous e- ball. Exactly. And I was like, like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. I've known a couple of people that had uh, maybe one specifically, Belzer had a, a fake ball, mm-hmm. Richard Belzer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of other famous one ball people. I think Hitler had one, <laughs> had yeah, we one got, ball. We got a lot in common, <laughs> us and that guy. <laughs> but before the ball cancer, so you got brothers and sisters in? I got a younger sister. Uh, she's uh, 32, better than me in every single way. Uh, she's a lawyer. And then I got 16 first cousins. Holy shit. Yeah. And well, we, on, on what side? Both sides? I got five. I got six on my mom's side and 10 on my dad's side. So all side. their siblings are here and yeah. then all their kids are here. We all grew up within, uh, say for one uh, pair of siblings, all grew up within like 30 minutes of each other. That's good, though. It's the greatest way to grow up. To have a up. relationship with your whole family. Yeah, I mean, we're all still on group chats. We're still bothering each other. Really? We're still going out. Well, yeah, I mean, you talk about that in the, uh, in, the, in the special, which I should say the name of. Lucky Lefty, or How I Lost My Right Nut, and All I Got Was This Stupid, stupid Special. special. Yes, sure. thank you. <laughs> the whole thing must be said. <laughs> But I mean, but I'm, I'm sort of fascinated by it all because I think like a lot of immigrant communities like were like that because I, I grew up in New Jersey. Both my, both my parents were from, I didn't grow up there, but my parents did. Uh-huh. Both of my parents are from Jersey. Uh-huh. My dad's from Jersey City. Okay. My mom's from Pompton Lakes. God, oh, Pompton Lakes, not too far. Yeah. yeah. And so their parents were there and all my aunt and uncle and cousins were all over. Yeah. And when I was a little kid before my parents ran away to New Mexico or wherever the hell we ended up, you uh-huh. know, first Alaska, you know, it was, everyone was at my grandma's house. So it's, you, it's just the way it was. I think I, I right now I love, I look at that as like the perfect way to grow up because the way my family's going, it's like, uh, you know, everyone's having kids. I'm like, I want to ha- make sure that I have a kid now so that my family, my kid can participate in that, in that large way I grew up. But then I also look at like, I need chaos. <laughs> chaos. <laughs> yeah, because that's how I grew up in chaos. But but not not uh, toxic chaos. No, no, no. But just like... like Kids everywhere. Kids everywhere, noise. People yeah, yeah. always like stimulated. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I, and it's a huge problem. Not a huge problem, but a problem nonetheless of like... Yeah. I do not know how to be bored. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a problem. If I got nothing to do, I'm doing a million things. Exactly. And I'm just like, uh, why, did I, why do I feel like this? It's because like at any given moment, me or th- and three of my cousins were doing some stupid shit like hitting a bee's nest or playing basketball. You yeah. Know, it's all kind of dumb shit. Well, I, for me, like I don't even know, like I, I and it's a weird thing uh, about, about being a comic is that we do, you know, for whatever reason we got into the life, the life is the life. And we, you know, we do have a lot of time. Yeah. Like I've been talking about on stage where I'm like, you know, I don't know what makes me happy. I don't know what my hobbies are, but I think food shopping might be one. (laughs) Yeah. Because I'll I'll go to three or four supermarkets just because I fucking want to buy shit at different places. I don't know, man. I, I, it's like, I can't, the the point I was trying to make is when you're Mm self-employed, 
no matter what you do, you kind of consider it work. Yes. Right? Yeah, as long as you frame it that way. Like, yeah, I did something today. You just, well, there's that, but uh, also, like, as long as you got your pen <laughs> and you're out. Am I taking my notes on my Evernote? Let me t- oh, right. I, I did something today. Yeah, sure. Good about do, you think, do, you, like, do you think like that? Do you have that wor- uh, work ethic that you, you need to have in place in order to justify your life? I have been trying to get better at... Uh, uh, enjoying my free time and not making it about uh getting something out of it yeah i don't yeah good how are you doing with that bad but then i was talking i was talking to a friend of mine and he he, he reads a lot about productivity and stuff yeah. it's like the most elite people derive value from every single thing that they do yeah so elite yeah like the jordans and the bezoses of the world they they derive what value out of every single thing that but they what's do. value mean so like Okay, today I'm going to read this book. Yeah. And I'm I'm going to read the book uh and it's going to help me it's freeing up my brain to do some writing stuff but also whatever I'm getting from reading the book. The book about the Patels. Yes, exactly. Whatever it is. No, of course. Well, that's well that's the thing, but like those guys like Bezos like you know whatever the fuck skill set he had in place. Uh-huh. Yeah, it, when 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 you talk about value relationship to that guy, he's thinking about like, oh, if I add this button yeah, I can make another half a billion dollars. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, a Bezos, bad example. But like the people who are uh, uh, con- maybe the unsung heroes of yeah. the productivity world, people who yeah. are just very good at what they do, they don't feel bad if they're not doing something uh, uh, that is not directly related to the work because they think that the thing that they're doing is like helping them somewhere. Right, it's, it's it's fulfilling something. Yes. But like, with us that's that's of course cuz like all we're doing is waiting for something to talk about. Yeah, I need something to happen to me at all times. Right. But like you don't but like what's what's your process? I mean, I I am a talker so I write on stage. Uh-huh. Are you like an an Atel guy or are you a talk guy? I'm a I'm a both guy. Oh. Uh more more so writing. So like, you write jokes. I'll, I'll be on my uh, iPad, just trying to crack shit out. Yeah, like, oh, okay, this is funny. Like, well, I'll, I'll write down premises and ideas and no, I'll write things. A full, I'll, I'll write a full joke out. Oh, you do because I've always done better doing that way. When I do the talking method, like, I'll find a tag or I'll find and space it. Yeah, but I cannot. If I write it, like I'm better at iterating so many times, and that's really the process, right? It's just iterating, for, yeah, iteration, I, I, iteration. Well, yeah, it's repetition, iteration, right? Yeah. yeah, and I guess like you know, for me, it's just it, it kind of renders itself down eventually. Like the stuff that you know is, and I'm doing long form shit, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm looking for things to to come back around and whatnot. But but ultimately, I got to explore on stage because I don't like if I have to sit and write a premise and then go like, oh, how am I going to tag this? Like I don't know. Uh huh. But if I'm on stage and I bring up the premise, which is funny enough on its own, and I just put myself in the position to, where I have to be funny, uh-huh. then the tags get delivered well, that's, magically. That's interesting how your brain works like that. You got to deliver on this uh, or you're going to feel bad at the right, end of the Right, right. Like I know, I know I'm funny, so that, that thing I'm not afraid. Uh-huh. And I'll put it out there and a lot of things I'll come up to the end of the funny premise, which is kind of funny enough, and the tag won't be delivered and I'm just sitting there like a fucking Fuck. idiot. Yeah, yeah. But, but whatever, I have faith it'll come eventually. That's a, That's like... I've operated that way. Yeah. Uh, but my process, since I shifted it to be like, okay, let me put it on paper. This is the premise or this is the punchline. Yeah. Like, how can I expand? Because my, sure. my, 
the skill I'm trying to work on now is trying to build out slightly longer things. Yep. Or like just longer jokes. We did that with the special. I mean, because there is a through line. Yes, for right? sure. So you had this through line. You had you had testicular cancer. Mm-hmm. So you're like, that's a setup. Yes. And then. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? The setup so, of all setups, yes. So you know eventually you're going to get a new ball. And uh, there's like, you know, it's a, it's a deep well. You know, you're, anytime you're talking about balls clinically or any other way, yeah. it's, you, you're going to get jokes. There's a lot, yeah. Yeah. But so, but then you're on the sides of it, you're able to do all the other stuff that you're thinking about. And then just sort of return back to the through line. The, this is, I mean, it, I thought a lot about the special. Yeah. Like, not like in afterwards, but like while it was being crafted, there was a lot of. Right. Like, how the fuck do I want to present this in a way that. That isn't a, a one person show. That isn't a one man show. Yeah. That isn't just me doing dick and ball jokes yeah. for 45 minutes. Yeah. And also trying to turn on its head the idea that I've learned anything. Yeah. You know, because I from the experience from of the cancer. experience, and like to me, that was the biggest joke. Was that like you know how did it change my life? It did not zero change. <laughs> <laughs> so you wanted to do uh, you wanted to have a narrative arc where the main character doesn't change at all, exactly. But the worst possible thing that could happen happened. Yet you caught in it in enough time to where you were able to sort of like just get through it without uh, changing cancer. <laughs> <laughs> Give me yeah. something easy. I mean, well, something difficult. You yeah, know, like, yeah. And so, like that, that took so long for me to get to as a, um, a punchline. Right, because you had the stuff evolving, you had the jokes, but you, you didn't like. It, it, there's a balance. Because you knew you got, that. I wish you could see what you're doing with your hands. Yeah, because you, I'm holding balls. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but, but there's a balance. But you knew the ball stuff was gonna whether whether it was dick and ball jokes or not. They were elevated by the fact that they were you know cancer balls. Yes, exactly. So, so it it it's not as crass as it could be. Right. But you wanted to, you know, have this core sense of like you know the funniest part of this is like, uh, it, um the same guy and I'm not even exactly you know like maybe I changed a little and that it reinforced my confidence <laughs> like, yeah I can fucking do anything watch yeah. me watch me do 45 minutes on my balls no problem next comedic challenge please and that was really that really kind of uh asked a lot of my process yeah because the first special thank you China it was like the I was cobbling it together as I was on the road. And it was observational. It was observational, uh, some personal. Political. Yeah, some political. Yeah. And that was just a function of the fact that I was thrown into the fire that is having club dates on my calendar uh, without having done an hour for more than like 12 times. You know what I mean? Oh, so that, okay. So as like the baptism through you know, by fire. fire yeah. yeah by and fire. So, but luckily I, I knew how to structure a set Yeah, and I had enough material where I could structure a set and that like helped me be like, okay, this is a long form thing. I mean, a long set. Here are the jokes I want to do. Yeah. How do I tie them together? Yeah, right. A, a little easier. And then when this, when I came off the road, uh, in January of 2022, I had nothing, right? Yeah. I was like, okay, I got, and you know. I mean, after you did the first special. After I did the first special, yeah, I had right. no, Yeah, I, that's where I'm at, yeah. Yeah, I had nothing. Yeah. 
And uh, thank God you got cancer. Yeah, <laughs> that's really it, man. That's really the truth. It's like thank God I had cancer. You're reading books. You're listening to your friend talking about productive people, yeah. and you're like, "Fuck, what am I gonna do? I got no, I got no bits." <laughs> My agents got me on the road for another fucking six months to a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you don't. And, and the cardinal sin is not to repeat exactly to the audiences that already saw it. I'm going back to a lot of same places. Yeah, Columbus is gonna remember what I talked about. That's right. And at that, and at this point though. Do you have are there are you pulling the indian communities everywhere you go no that's the thing you know it's like a very interesting for better for worse uh uh indian people are usually late to comedy really you know, it's like uh, usually I've, it's such a community bonding event when they know one of their own is I've, doing something i've offended a lot of indian people for sure oh yeah uh in my how so well there was this, a religious group that i shat on which uh, one the baps oh it, yeah it's a it's a hindu sect yeah uh, that i made fun of yeah for some shit I read in the news, yeah, and that spread like, like that in India. No, in the states. Because who's that guy I just talked to that like got in big trouble? In Veer Das. Yeah, Veer Das. I talked to. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But he's an interesting guy because he was like this movie star. Yeah, I mean he's yeah he's crazy. Yeah, that guy's nuts. His yeah. career is fucking bananas. Yeah. Uh. Uh. But for me, like. But also not just that. Like I, I don't want to say I was canceled be a by proxy by a, the Baps community or anything yeah. like that. It was more. It's more just my distribution method of TikTok and Instagram yeah. and all that. It it just hits people for I don't know the algorithm. It just sure. hits people and that happened. Some of them don't happen. To, a lot of them aren't Indian. Yeah, and a, a lot of it's also a function of the fact that a lot of my material isn't focused on how I grew up or right. like specific Indian stuff. Right. And it's coming though. It's coming for sure. I got, I got nothing else to talk about. <laughs> I can feel it, man. The, the Patel book. Oh yeah. <laughs> this, that, that's <laughs> by design. Here but, comes the big Indian show. But it's also, it's also like, I don't mind the slow burn. Yeah. You know, of like, let me, let me demonstrate to myself, to the comedy fans and to the comedy buyers. Right. That this isn't just a novel, oh, novel. a novelty actor. This yeah. is he's not just talking to his own people. Right. I feel like my comedy can relate to everybody. No, I feel like yeah, you've got that. You know, you've got the chops of a guy that came up in New York. You know, in the cellar specifically because you know you're surrounded by, you know, these guys, these these old timers from my generation. I mean, you can't avoid the impact of of a tell. No. In, in in New York. No. Like, you know, they're like there's I think back in the day, there were dudes that would just outright do them, basically. But I think there's a whole generation of you guys, and maybe the guys a little older than you, that sort of integrated his discipline. But you know, like I'm um, like uh Norman and uh Morel yeah. and uh guys who like clearly are influenced by the Atel craft. Yep. But like I think more than anybody else, you know, his uh, his style and his um, disposition, it, it's a constant. Yes. When you're coming up there. It's its like you you kind of love, you look forward to when Dave is right after you because yeah, you know so he's lurking, smoking a cigarette, <laughs> talking shit about something in, yeah, the, yeah. in the hallway. Yeah, and, and, he, and he's always going to want to win. Yes. So... <laughs> So we just like every day he's churning out these new jokes. So he, you couldn't, you can't stop watching the guy. No, especially when he's 
competitive. Yep. Like if he's wasting time, it's funny, but like if he feels like he's got to fucking do it, yeah. you're like, oh my God. You're fucked. You're it's, <laughs> it's such a sight to see. It is. There was, I think there was a, a phase, and I don't want to say a phase, but there are a few times I saw him with like a, a flutophone on stage. <laughs> He was doing this whole flutophone thing, and I was just like, but he must be bored. He must be like, man, I'm too good at this fucking shit. Well, you do get that feeling with it because he's such an amazing joke craftsman yeah. that, like, you know, sometimes he has to distract himself. I remember years ago, there, there was this. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah, like, because you know, he's just, he can do it with his back turned if he wanted to. And he has. <laughs> I remember there's a period there where he's trying, he was like, he thought he needed to do a character. So he's doing like some kind of like gym instructor. I don't remember what the fuck it was, but it was just a tell with this conceit that didn't really stick i mean that's that but it's so fun to watch him but yeah like that him having well him watch yeah i I hated it i i hate it but i also feel like okay if dave tells me i'm a funny joke writer then i'm i'm fucking made did he yes oh good (laughs) Uh, yes he's a very good joke i'm like thank you dave when i was starting out there i I used to make him leave the room i'm like look i have to figure out how to talk to regular people (laughs) i can't worry about you sitting there right yeah, uh, good one, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I love, yeah, yeah. I love Dave. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, like that. So when the with the special and with the process of it all, like I'm very conscious of who I'm talking to, um, and I, I'm very encouraged by the fact now more Indian people are coming out. But that first run, yeah, that 2021, 2022 run, it was, uh, and even the 2022 to 2023 run, this run, like still not like overwhelmingly Indian, which is great because that means for me, there's a huge untapped market of people yeah. that will be able to relate to my show. But it seemed on this new one, the the lucky lefty, there were a, a good, must've been about a third of the room, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like in the, in the bigger cities where it is uh, uh, a large Indian population, yeah. but just by function of the fact, there's more Indians in the town. Sure. There will be a lot of Indian people. But it, it gives you an opportunity to find, like, I, I, I really appreciate that, uh, this sort of, like, I, I wouldn't say it's pandering, but but community identification. Yeah, for because, sure. Because, I mean, that was part of early comedy. I mean, the Jews, you know, they got to figure it out how to, you know, be accepted as normal people. Uh-huh. And even the Italians, I mean, you listen to... Uh, Pat Cooper, mm-hmm. like these early records where he's like literally getting on stage, just like, who's doing the Sunday sauce? <laughs> like, and you're like, what the fuck is happening? But it was a way of defining the community within America. Mm. It's important and it still happens. It, it is important. And it's uh, to me, like growing up in Parsippany. Yeah. When I was of age, when I was a teenager, being Indian was not abnormal. Right. So it was never in my head to be like, let me talk about Indian stuff because right. it never felt other. Really? You never felt other? No. I mean, I felt other in the sense that I didn't feel like these Indian kids because, uh, you know, my parents, my biological parents divorced. So that was like another thing. For oh, me. really? Yeah. My, How old were you? I was two. Oh, really? Yeah. I never, I don't know the guy. Your dad? My biological father. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Never met him. So who'd you grow up with as a dad? My dad. Oh. Like my mom remarried when I was like four, I guess. Oh, wow. And I just found out like why they was got divorced. Was he a divorced. Patel too? No, he was not a Patel. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my dad is a Patel. My right. father was not a Patel. Yeah. He was a, a, a Brahmin guy. Yeah. So my mom married like outside of her caste, quote unquote. Yeah. Which like had its own set of-, of I thought her, her, her dad was Brahmin, no? Yes. Her dad was Brahmin. But right. My my dad is not my biological father is right okay, but my dad is not oh, so, so my biological she, parents were arranged so she was divorced and oh she was arranged in india yeah it was arranged like it's a crazy story she 
she was dating my the man that she's married to now, my dad. Yeah. And uh, uh, she had to go to India for her um, sister's wedding. Okay, older, so older they're sister. already in the States. Yeah, yeah so um, her older sister's wedding. Right. Uh, she gets there, and unbeknownst to her, my grandpa has arranged for her to meet and marry this other guy. Uh-huh. My father. Yeah, biological father. Biological father. Yeah. And so they get, she's like, oh, okay, like you don't, you can't be like, no. You can't. Yeah, it was just not one of those, so she married him. Yeah. And then when she came back to the States, it was like, sorry, Sanjay, like I gotta, I gotta see this thing out. And it didn't pan out. Yeah. So did that, that guy come to the States? Yeah. Oh. Came to the States, uh, uh, moved to, I forget which town. Yeah. They moved to the States, like tried to make it work, had me. Yeah. Was not working out. Yeah. Um, divorced. Yeah. And my mom started seeing my Sanjay again, my dad. Yeah. And, and he like hang. He hung out. He hung out. <laughs> You'll be back. <laughs> you know. That's crazy. And so like that was how I felt. Other. And my dad had a liquor store. You know, like and, and that was never Patel did. Yeah, Patel did. You don't know the other guy. I don't know the other guy. And he's still in the states. Yeah. Wild. Wild story. Uh, Why don't you know the guy? Never reached out, and I never reached out. Yeah. And, and I think like, for, dude, this the, is the show. The the, the longest. This is the show. <laughs> this is the long. Reach out. No, <laughs> I can't. I refuse. Uh, I don't think I. I don't think I have it in me to be like, because I think about a lot. Like, if I, if and when I become a dad. Okay. I cannot fathom a scenario. Where, you, where yeah. I'm not around. Regard- where you abandoned the kid no right, matter what. Regardless of what happens yeah, yeah. with me and my wife. Like, yeah. I can't, fa- like, and it scares me, this is the first time I've articulated it, that, like, what if, the one of the things that I have a fear about, about having kids is, like, yeah. what if I am the same and I don't have that uh, capacity for love? Uh. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like to, your biological dad. Exactly. Which is crazy to me to think about. But like that is fucking, that's what would, would is part of what keeps me from me. Like, no, fuck that. I'm not going to reach out. That's crazy. But but your self-awareness around it implies that you, that's not the case, number yes. one. Yeah. And number two, that, that I, I, I don't know that you need to frame that as, as genetic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's probably not, but it's, uh, I mean, I think it's more certainly so, not, but yeah, because you were young enough. Mm-hmm. And and clearly, the Patel dad gave you the love, right? Yes, yes, yes. That's, but that's also like a lot of it is when I was younger, and by the younger I mean like ten years ago, um, when I, I first had a conversation yeah. with my friend, a friend of mine about this. It was just like, I part of me is fearful that if I reach out to uh, father, that it implies that I'm not happy with right. how I was brought up, and I never want that to be the case either. Yeah, I thought you were going to say that it would somehow infect me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yeah, yeah. As soon as you shake his hand, you're like, "Oh no, oh. it's in me." <laughs> Fuck kids. <laughs> uh, Fuck my wife. <laughs> I'm living in an apartment by myself. No, it was, it was. It's just that. But you don't know nothing about the guy. No, I mean, I know that he was an engineer, uh, and I know some other stuff. It's uh, probably some religious shit. Who knows? I, yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. Think, yeah it's it's more than I want to get into now. Sure, uh, but all that to say, like I always felt other in that sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. never felt other in the sense like, oh, we're in this fucking in. thirty of us, forty of us in my high school class. You know, like sure. Yeah, what? But so you were a community, and you you never felt 
like some weird tension, like you were intruders or exactly, or or like you know what are they doing here? Yeah, I mean it, it was just like Mia. Yeah, sure, we got made. Some of us got made fun of, and some of us experienced like you know the hacky kind of racism that sure. you experience when you're a teenager, yeah, but. Yeah. Low key Jersey racism. Low key Jersey. Like I remember when nine eleven <laughs> happened. When nine eleven happened, I remember it distinctly. The 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 high school, my high school bully at the time, uh, just like yeah. pushed me. It was like you're fucking people, man. I was like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> my people. <laughs> We're all here. <laughs> you know, it was just like that kind of bullshit yeah, happened. Yeah. But uh, I never. We never felt other otherwise because yeah, yeah. it was like I said, forty in my high school class. Like yeah, yeah. It's hard to be like, oh yeah, it's sure, so, sure. so it's difficult. The struggle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, we had some idiosyncrasies. Like our food was different. Yeah. And uh, yeah. on sa- Saturdays and Sundays, we would go party with only other Indian people, yeah. and we would have like religious events. Yeah. But I'm sure the Irish and the Jews had their sure. own shit popping off too. We yeah, just didn't yeah. know about it. Yeah, yeah. What's that, what religion? Hinduism. Yeah, yeah. But ultimately, your parents were supportive all the way through. Comedy wise. Yeah. Well, I went to NYU. Uh, you know, I wanted to be a doctor probably until my sophomore year of college. You know, like I, they they wanted me to be a doctor. So you're doing pre med. I was pre biology classes. Pre med, finance. I, you know, chemistry, biology, all that. You're doing well. My freshman year, I had a four zero. Yeah. Sophomore year, I think like probably like a three eight, three seven. Yeah. But uh, junior year, I got a C plus in organic chemistry, and I was also uh, going through my relation like the relation the girl I was with at the time had a lot of impact on my psyche oh yeah and I was just like, like what do you mean like we were always on and off yeah, yeah and it oh, always yeah. it always fucking bothered so me so there's the chaos yeah it was chaos yeah. with that and uh so like I wasn't the best student at the time yeah and so I got like a C or C plus in organic chemistry and I realized like it might have been just the malaise of like all of it yeah I was like, man fuck this pre-med shit and uh I dropped it then and stayed in school though. Yeah, I stayed in school. I still had a finance major to yeah. get. Um but that dropping that pre med when I told my mom, you would have thought I died. Like yeah. it was when I called her, yeah. It was like fucking what the f- like a really? scream. Really? Mind you, I'm in the apartment that they're paying for. Yeah. Uh on the cell phone the plan yeah. that they pay for. Yeah. I'm telling them that all the money they just spent for me to go to this fucking school. Is for nothing, effectively, right? Yeah. Like here, that dream is dead for my yeah. mom of calling her son a doctor. Yeah, and uh, but in the special, you make it pretty clear that there's plenty of Doctor Patels. Yes, there's <laughs> there's plenty of us. I got plenty of cousins I could call right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, it's about time we branch out into yeah. into, into other, the arts. Into the arts. <sighs> but so you know, I graduated in '08 with a finance degree, which was like the funniest thing you could do at the time. Like, uh, I was, I had this huge ego shock, right? Because yeah. when I went to NYU, I graduated, you know, near the top of my class in high school. Um, and I went to NYU thinking I'm hot shit. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm getting good grades. I got a, a hot ass girl. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm cool as fuck. I can drink. Yeah. Fast forward four years later, all my peers are going to med school or are finance guys mm. and finance jobs. And I'm doing neither of those things. Now I got this huge shock to my ego. Like I thought I was a shit, and yeah. I'm nothing. And you're you're mostly responsible for it. And I'm. It's all my fault. <laughs> yeah. I dropped pre med. I was dumb. Yeah. I was chasing pussy, and that didn't pan out either. Yeah. And for like a year, I was like, I don't want to say depressed yeah. in hindsight, but like I was just 
really, and I never articulated it to myself at the time, was just like mad at myself. Right. And disappointed in myself. Yeah. Like I had, I'd accomplished nothing. Yeah. I, you know, my, my friends, like my older friends, my cousin's older friends would yeah. call me the future. Like, yeah. oh, you're the future, man. Like, yeah. And You're I, like, it's not good. It's not good, man. <laughs> I need an internship or something. Can I get a $10 an hour job? Something, please. Yeah. And so for like a year, I was unemployed and underemployed. And uh, I thought, you know, for a while, I, I had some moments of clarity. I was like, what do I like doing? I like writing. And I never had stage fright. So I took the shitty writing class at yeah. NYU. was sappy talking about, uh, you know, my, my, my dad coming home drinking, that kind of shit from his liquor store and how that impacted me and i was like none of this shit is funny like, yeah well, he's getting high on his own supply a hundred percent you know <laughs> like but that's the thing i never knew about the trauma he was going through what was he going through you know, I mean, he's been shot at and like that will have a huge impact on your psyche even if you deny that it does yeah you know at the liquor store at the liquor store you know like it was in irvington new jersey at the time which is like a terrible fucking neighborhood yeah yeah you talk about that bit on the special yeah so, did were you at the store a lot no no we were i was not allowed to go there uh so but was that how did he end up in that business well when he was 17 when he came over yeah. his uh his older brother had a store uh or was working at a store and said hey why don't you come work at the store with me and and a liquor store yeah a liquor store yeah and the, and the model is just Work there, uh, live in a tiny apartment with your entire family, yeah. save up enough money to then eventually maybe you and your brother and someone else can go in on a store together, and then you build enough equity, yeah. get your own store, and then yeah. and, and hope that pans out. You become a quadrillionaire. Yeah, you know he didn't. You know it was just like a one store guy, which yeah. is a, a good middle class income. But still got it. The Irvington one is gone. Yeah, uh, that was I think after uh, the man a man came in and put a gun to his head for 400 bucks. He was like, okay, that's enough. Like, I, I cannot do this. But that was, if I correlate it, like, you know, the decline in the business and like that traumatic experience is re directly related to like his drinking and, yeah. and his self-medicating for dealing with that kind of shit. You know, is like, he sober now? Yeah, I mean, he wasn't, he's not an alcoholic. Right. But he was, he was definitely drinking more than he Traumatized. Yeah, traumatized. Yeah. And yeah, he's definitely cut out alcohol or cut down definitely yeah, yeah, because yeah. for health reasons. Yeah, know? wild. And, uh, but at the time when that was going on, I was so also going through my own trauma of yeah. like, obviously not being shot at, but like having this ego get destroyed. Yeah. And now I'm like, oh, what the fuck am I going to do? This writing shit is corny. Yeah. I like laughing and I'm good at talking in front of people. Uh, I used to be the, the roast master at our lunch table. Yeah. Uh, just shitting on fucking seniors when I was a freshman. Sure. You know? So I was like, I could probably do this. Stand up, stand up. So, like, but you you weren't going to stand up shows or anything. No, I never. The the only live comedy I'd seen at that point, the the first special I ever saw was probably like the Dana Carvey chopping broccoli that one. Yeah, and that was just on Comedy Central forever ago. Mm. Uh, I remember watching Chris Rock's Bigger and Blacker and yeah. like quoting it in high school. Sure, and then two thousand four, uh, Russell Peters YouTube special leaked, and uh. uh and my only other Indian kid on my floor at NYU yeah. brought me into his dorm room. Was like, "Yo, we gotta watch this." Yeah, and that was like the first like su like subconscious planting of any people can do stand up. Yeah, the first live stand up I ever saw was at the cellar, two thousand four. Yeah, this was before the cellar is what it is today in terms of always sold out. Yeah, it's back when I was around. Yeah, <laughs> it Kinda, was. Yeah, it was two thousand four. I was definitely around. Yeah, winter two thousand four. I get barked in. 
And this is right when Chappelle's show was either off the air or like Chappelle was just like having his enigma moment. Yeah. Like Dave Chappelle's on stage. Like, yeah. Dave Chappelle's not on fucking stage right now. Get out of here. Yeah. Fucking, why would he be here? Not only is he on stage, but he's on for two hours. And it's 20 bucks. Yeah. And you can go watch it right now. And yeah. And there's 12 people in the room. Go in, got my backpack, got this beard. And Dave's like, uh, uh, sir, we're going to have to check your bag. Your skin's a little too olive. I'm like, what, <laughs> dude? It was crazy. Sat down for like 20 minutes. Like, I got to go study. Yeah. Uh, and that was my first live experience ever. And then 2009, and, and like comedy was never a thing that I was like looking at or yeah, watching or right, anything right, like right. that. I'd seen Human Giant, Aziz's sure. show. I was like, oh, that's cool. An Indian guy's doing some shit. Over at UCB? Uh, no, I'd seen the sketch show he oh, did okay, on MTV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I didn't like stand up comedy in 2008 or nine yeah. in my world was not the rock star shit it is today. Sure. It was just a, like a still off the beaten yeah. path arts thing. Yeah. And so in 2009, I was like, okay, well, where can I go do stand up? And I just Googled it or whatever Yahoo searched yeah. it. And, uh, Stress Factory in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Vinny. Vinny Brand. Yeah. And he had that uh, uh, bringer mic on Wednesdays, August yeah. 19th, 2009. Yeah. Brought myself and... Uh, yeah. And a bunch my, of Patels. And a bunch of Patels, my 16 <laughs> first cousins and, yeah. and, their, and their friends. And just went up and did three terrible minutes. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was five. Yeah. Did well. It's terrible in the sense of what was written and all that bullshit. Like yeah. my performance was off, all that. But like yeah. it worked. Yeah. And I was like, got laughs. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, Psst, how hard could this be? <laughs> 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 and uh, so then that was that was the bug, yeah. so to speak. And uh, so I did, you, did you go back and do Brand's room a lot? Or no, I, I mean I did Vinny's room quite often because I didn't get a job in New Jersey, in New York until probably like mid twenty ten. Yeah. But I discovered you know badslava.com, which has the list of all the open mics. Oh really? Yeah. And so like that was a key resource and i would and i was like oh there's so many in new york city i'll just take the bus to new york yeah and i just did that for like almost every day for a year and a half open mics open mics just wherever wherever anywhere that would have me poetry open mics yeah i think at one point i was like let me see how many i can do in a day recorded that yeah tuesday i think i did 11 you could really yeah i mean i asked all the spots can i I'm doing this thing. Can yeah. I try to do a lot? And I, they, they, some of them ha- were like at five in the afternoon, right? Yes, exactly. So that's how yeah. you could get them in. You could do the five o'clock, you do the five thirty, do the six o'clock, put your name down. Everyone at, at the host would be accommodating. Yeah. It wasn't, I was brand new. I was probably like a, a year in at that point when yeah. I tried that shit. But that was just, uh, that's how I built these chops up. You yeah. Know? To before you got the big opportunity to work a real club yeah 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 i think i think the first club was stand up new york i got a i got sure. i got check spots there thanks to my friend jared freed who yeah uh a shout out jared but yeah so how long before you you decided to audition at the cellar the cellar audition came about because i got uh the chris rock writing job it was you know when what did you write for the oscars the 2016 oscars okay. when he hosted you know, it was... So you were you were around and you were a known guy. It was... I, I don't think I was known. It was just I ran this show. Maybe I was known in, like, the comedy community, yeah. but, like, not That's what I mean. in this world. Enough for him to know you were a writer. No, it was just... He, I used to run a show with Che, Michael Che, and our friend sure. Ma- Mike Denny. Uh, so uh, Che's of your generation. Che's my closest friend in comedy, and uh, yeah. we started probably, like, two or three months out. Yeah. Separate. He started, like, three months after me. Yeah. Um, 
but we ran a show together with yeah. our friend Mike Denny, and uh, in 2015, Chris ended up at that show, and I did well enough that he was like, "You're really funny." I was like, "You're fucking Chris Rock," and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, like three months later, he got the Oscars gig. So I was like, "You want to write?" I was like, "Yeah." I was like, "Sure." And then so that was my first writing job, and I think like people knew that I got that job. Yeah. And then one day I was on, uh, walking down the street and I saw a female comic friend of ours um, and she was like, hey, you want to audition at the cell? I was like, who would say no to that? Yeah. Send me a tape. I was like, sure. And I sent her a tape, got the audition in uh, June of 2016 and then that was it. And that was passed at the cellar. Esty passed you? Esty passed you. She's like, very funny. I was like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fucking now, can in. can I sit at the table? Yes, exactly. <laughs> no, next week you send your avails. <laughs> then you can come sit at the table. I was like, I was like oh, that, I remember that. So okay, cool. I'm just going to sit at one of these other tables. Yep, yep. I'll just wait my time. <laughs> yeah. Go back. And how do so, I send avails? again so that's not even that long ago no i'm fucking it feels like yesterday but yeah. then i go to the cellar now i'm just like who the fuck are these people yeah you know yeah i feel like an old guy but I, I, it's like oh really already i mean yeah, my like because the staff is so new like that you know they they the turnover. staff turnovers like pandemic hit and like a lot of staff like bounced a bunch of places that's where when i was going there the staff was there was always a couple of stalwarts that were always there yeah, yeah no i mean uh i'm not sure if you know val or alicia some of the managers yeah. still there um jose but a lot of people have changed and left since i was there since yeah. i started there yeah uh how's esty doing Great. I haven't I haven't spoken to her or seen her in a few months actually. Uh, cause, yeah. Because road stuff, I haven't been. Yeah. Like if I'm if I'm off the road in New York, like I don't even comedy's just out of my brain. Yeah. Where do you work here? You work in the store? No. I mean, I, I can work the store. I've done the improv. I I love the store. The, it's the, the best. The OR is great. It's the best. It's so much fun. It's there. like that's my home club, and you know, like it's all, the only place I'll work, and I'll just go there yeah, because I can get the time in. Yeah. You know, I just I do. I, it's like a gym. I'll work out, do new shit. And then, like, I'll go to Dynasty and do a residency for a month. I just did it last night uh -huh. and just work out the hour. I did, like, an hour and a half last night. That's great. About about an hour of it was, was salvageable. A half hour of it was just uncomfortable for everybody. What's your, uh, what's your process in terms of uh, I'm going to put the new right here and I'm going to do the— Well, I mean, I, like you, I mean, I had that special drop a few months ago that, uh -huh. from Bleak to You shot it at Town Hall. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And— uh, you know, so now, like, I, it's just the way my brain works. You know, that, now, that material is, like, dead to me. Yeah. But I did have, the way I do it, like, by the time, like, two weeks before I shoot a special, I'm usually doing, like, an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. So I got to drop a half. Yeah, yeah. And it, it in, in retrospect, I realized, well, that's the best way to do it, because then I find the through lines, I get out the redundancy, and, you know, I do that within the week before I have to tape, uh -huh. so that makes, it sort of makes everything fresh again. Yeah, it's right? interesting. Because you're pulling shit out, yeah. and you're moving shit around, and it kind of gets your brain into that present trip, huh. and, you know, and I, I, not unlike you, it seems, I leave room for improvising. I don't mind that. Yeah. I'm not afraid of it. I, you know, I know how to do crowd work. I've been, uh, you know, I've been struggling, at least with the, the first, this Thank you, China special yeah. and the uh, Lucky Lefty special. Yeah. What I don't like about special crafting yeah. is kind of the tightness of it. Like, well, yeah, well, that's it, a way around it. Yeah. You know, that's the way I do it. You know, it's like because I know I got to get it down to 65 minutes because mm -hmm. it was HBO. I'm not, you know, I don't have the, the confidence with my following to do just dump a YouTube special. Uh -huh. So I like being, uh, you know, uh, sponsored. Uh -huh. And it was a real honor for me, the HBO that's thing. But I know... You know, I'm going to have to get it down. Yeah. But the last three specials, like, that's just the way I did it. Uh -huh. And then things happen that are new. They, and, you know, I don't, 
I guess I've been doing this most of my life. So I can crazy. It is crazy. (laughs) Like, uh, so I can do the thing where I like to have callbacks. I like to have a through line. And in the middle of that special, I was talking about heavy shit. Uh And I had to, that like, not unlike with the cancer is that, you know, that you're, you've got a sad thing there, but you live through it. So you got to balance like the sadness is, or the the tragedy of it, or or the, the you know the inte- the heaviness of it, that's that's a given. Yeah. So then you got to find this weird balance, right? You know. Uh, but but the the I find that the reason I do that is I'm addicted to not knowing, uh-huh. and I'm like, and I'm addicted to writing on stage. Uh, so uh, part of the juice, kind of not really, because I don't like the laughs. It's not. It's not, I like getting laughs, yeah. but I like discovery more. Like if, if they can come together where I'm surprised and they're surprised, yeah, yeah. that's the best uh-huh. for me. Yeah. You so, give yourself so, a little pat on the back. Yeah. You're just sort of like, <laughs> wow, like make note, you uh-huh. know? So that's just the way, you know, I've grown to do it, you know? And right now the, the risk of it is, as opposed to being out on the road and just sticking shit in the middle. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I've got, I'm working a small room. My fans know what I'm doing. Yeah. It's only 150 people there and they kind of like, they're willing to go along with it. So I just risk failing Yeah, and I'm not afraid to fail. Uh, you know, it's not going to take the wind out of my sails, but there's going to be awkward moments uh-huh. and, and that's all right. Fuck it. Yeah. That's just the way I process it. I, uh, I envy that, that fear that I don't, I don't really have a fear of failing. I think it's more just like. A lot of times, it's a fan that's come to the show. All right, and then, you can disappoint people. And then it's like they brought someone who was like, "You gotta see this guy." And I'm like, "Well, I got notes, and uh, you didn't pay enough for me to be flawless." So, <laughs> yeah, but, the, <laughs> but but if they're real fans, they should enjoy the process. Yeah, but that's yeah. the thing. It's like for for at least my generation of comic, it feels like we're introducing a lot of people to comedy for the first time. Yeah. They don't, like, TikTok is how I made this stand-up career happen for myself. Yeah. You know, or at least accelerated yeah. the rate at which I'm doing shows and stuff. Yeah. It's a lot of first people's ever experience. And do you post most, do you, are you a crowd work clip guy? or? Do yeah, you- it's like, I mean, I've posted both. I've posted, like, I, I've chopped up the specials and put yeah. them out. And I've also, the way I was able to hit the road was putting out, I think a lot of people have come to know that I've done a lot of crowd work stuff yeah. on TikTok and stuff. But before I had crowd work, I had f- three, four years of seller material. Yeah. Because a seller was ahead of its time, is ahead of its time in the sense of like having a camera, HD yeah. camera ready to go yeah. and filming sets. And be like, oh, I want that set. And then when pandemic happened, I put my first hour out, Jokes for Quarantine, which is something I'd shopped to HBO in 2019, and yeah. they said no. Yeah. It's like, well, I, I did all this. Let me just yeah. put it out there. Yeah. Pandemic happened. That shit took off. I was like, oh, shit. I should probably feed this machine some more. Yeah. And I had a bunch of material. Yeah. So I started feeding the algorithm. My wife was like, you should get on TikTok. She worked in social media at the time. And, my other, and I didn't listen. Uh, <laughs> and then three months later, one of my friends who had... Uh, some success on TikTok. Yeah. Like, you should get on TikTok. Yeah, and I was like, okay, sure. As that's like that's usually how it is with wives and yeah. listening. Uh, and once I did that, I started seeing a lot of traction on just my material. Once the material ran out, uh, I was like, okay, well, I got all this crowd work shit too. So I'm putting that out. Yeah, and I can't recall which clip it was exactly or what exactly did it. But at some point, it became very apparent that TikTok was getting me the most views I'd ever had on anything. Yeah. The 
stuff that did the best was the crowd stuff. Yeah. Because it was so novel to a lot of people for whatever reason it, it and also and also it's in the moment you yeah. know like my like i i know how to do crowd work and i yeah. can improvise but i don't i don't lean on it because like from my school of thought you gotta be careful with crowd work because you're gonna have to follow it eventually with your own shit yes and that's a, that's but like i come from the the crowd work school of patrice yeah where it's make them think you're talking to them right but you're really just doing material that yeah, you yeah, think yeah. is gonna right, work sure and I think uh, what cemented it in my brain, I saw Kumail at Comics in New York. I'm not sure if you remember Comics, but yeah, it was it was a, uh, they they paid you way too much money. Yeah. It was too high scale, and <laughs> yeah. no one went. Exactly. But it was a great facility. <laughs> yeah, 14th yeah. and 9th. So you saw Nanjiani when he was doing it. I saw Kumail there, and uh, I remember he said something about someone like interrupted him. Mm. And he said, sorry if you think any of this is spontaneous. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that like really stuck with me yeah. because it was kind of pulling the, 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 the what's it called? The, the curtain fork, away yeah, from the magic. Yeah, it's like yeah. revealing the magic trick. Yeah. And so like when I put stuff out that seems like crowd work, it's yeah. usually just me getting into a bit. Sure. And that just yields something fucking ridiculous because again, people, yeah. it's their first time experiencing comedy. Yeah. And so getting back to the fear of failing thing, yeah. I, I, I have a fear of like, okay, like this is someone's first comedy show. I can't let them think it's only crowd work. I can't let them think it's only me bombing with some stuff I'd never done before with me. But you can bounce back from that with crowd work. Yes. As soon as the thing shits the bed, you can. There's your crowd work. Unless the crowd work shits the bed. Sure. <laughs> well, then you're, then you're in fuck. a bad room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then I got to change. So what was this like? You know. I, I talk a lot about this sort of uh, this the tribalization of comedy and mm -hmm. and uh, anti woke hackness because mm -hmm. I identify it as hackney. I, I think it's the new hack. Is that you know someone who labels themselves anti woke uh -huh. or or I'm going to get canceled? Right. That you know they're really fighting for the right to talk about the same three things right. in a different way than any other ones. Yes. But there is this idea. Of, of you know things you can and can't say mm -hmm. but you know i watched that event you hosted or performed at a columbia yeah where you were stopped you know 20 minutes into an hour set or whatever yeah by the the the, the students that were running it yep. because you know in my perception they were just you know triggered by uh uh a, like language and didn't understand the joke so, yes. but to your credit, it seems politically you are a relatively progressive person. Yes. And, and understand that, you know, you really are allowed to say whatever you want. Yep. And, and I think watching that tape that you knew from the beginning, I, the one thing I can tell as a comic is like, at some point, I'm, cause you kept saying, it, it's like, eventually <laughs> I'm going to say something. Yes. But yeah, I don't think you knew it was going to be that one. No, I think, I think, uh, that whole incident you know i look back at it you know it's five years ago now uh, right but like you were given like i assume well let, I'll, let me let me just set it up that you were what was the event the asian american alliance uh i don't know i would forget the exact specific yeah. the asian american alliance put on this cultural event right uh, at columbia university and 
uh, I was billed as the headliner for the program. Because you were a writer? First writer, first writer of Indian descent on Saturday Night Live. How long did you have that job? One year. Okay. Uh, sadly, I wish I could, I wish I had a much better tenure there, but... Uh, what uh, happened? A, a lot. I was, uh, I felt redundant, mm. uh, I think if I put it politely. Um, it was just one of those times like, and I also had no idea what the fuck I was doing right. um, when I was there. And But at the time, when I got the gig, it was like April of 2018 when yeah. I was still at the show. And they're like, we, we're putting this event on in yeah. November. This is our year-end planning session. We'd love to have you. You're the first Indian of SNL yeah. at SNL. Like, come like, yeah. do stand-up at our show. I was like, all right, yeah, for sure. And uh, uh, I get there, and immediately, like, I've already had a few colleges under my belt. Yeah. I already know what they are. They're kids. They're, they're children. Yeah. But it's also not a comedy club. Right. Yeah. It's an auditorium with, yeah. it's a fucking hall. Yeah, also with a lot of people that wouldn't necessarily go to a comedy <laughs> show exactly. or understand understand the context. Uh, brights are, lights yeah. are bright. There's, yeah. I just, I'm following poetry and breakdancers. Yeah. Uh, which is always a good opening act. Yeah. And I get there, and I knew immediately it was going to, like, right before I get on stage, one of the organizers said something to me, which I haven't revealed, and I'll tell you off, yeah. off, uh, off the record, yeah. uh, that indicated to me, oh, it's gonna be, this is going to be a little strange. Um, and yeah, I, that's the worst feeling. And I was like, okay, thanks for that, right before I get on stage. Yeah. Um, get on stage, I let them know. And, you know, to my fault, I was... A little too cool for school. Yeah. If uh, if I didn't learn anything about myself from the incident, then I haven't really learned. Anything yeah. From, then that incident happened for no reason. But like, I was like a little too casual. Yeah. Like, I'm better than these students. Yeah. I did get rejected from Columbia. All of you are here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I had that like chip on my yeah. shoulder kind of thing going yeah. on. And here I am taking your money. Yeah. And uh, 20 minutes in, you know, I said the joke about being gay can't be a choice because no one chooses to be gay if they're already black, right? Which is you, yeah, the premise was like, I know that being gay is not a choice because there are black gay people. Exactly. No one's choosing to be gay if yeah. you're black already, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And Good joke. Thank you. Yeah. It's uh, in my head now, like I've been told like, oh, other comics have said it. And I'm like, oh, okay. I've never heard it before when I thought of it. Well, that's the least of your problems being accused of parallel creativity. Yes. But, but, but the issue was in that moment that, you know, it it is a joke where that you have to process for a second. For a second, and yeah. really, the, the what's left out uh, of the talking about that joke is the real punchline. To let me take a step back. Yeah. Right, I'm crafting an hour that I want to shoot for HBO. Yeah, to to send to HBO. Yeah, and so I'm stringing together all these different bits like that I haven't done in forever. Yeah, that joke at that point in 2018 was probably six years old, five mm -hmm. years old, but. I had revisited it because I was talking shit about Mike Pence, Mike Pence's sexuality. Sure, and yeah, I did I, a huge epic closer on oh, that on oh, one of my specials. Oh, yeah. well, sorry, where he blows Jesus. No, it's a, <laughs> right. it, it, I went way over the top. <laughs> oh, okay, it, yeah, I'm not, I'm not accusing you of anything. <laughs> I just said, I said, uh, the end of that joke is just like the only person that chooses to be gay is Mike Pence. Yeah, he chooses to not be gay every day. Yeah. Like and like that, that got a laugh. Yeah. But to me, that was the core of the joke. Like the the other part of it was just fucking preamble for that. Yeah. And and then after that, I start talking to this girl because after that closed, after that chunk is closed. Yeah. I'm gonna start talking about how my dad had a liquor store. Yeah. And all the stuff that came with. Yeah. It. 
because I'm go I'm gonna be pitching a show about yeah. my dad's store. Like I want to talk about this. Yeah. But to get like my the way I work is, and the way I've worked before is like if there's someone in the crowd that's close by and seems engaged, I'll yeah. talk to them. Yeah. Just so I can pivot into my stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking to this girl for probably like three minutes too long. Yeah. And it's uncomfortable because I don't have this sense of mind to be like. Let me not ask prying questions to a girl who's not at a comedy club, who's just like here in, in college and these are their kids. These are her peers. Yeah. I don't have the sense of mind to right. like not right. probe. I'm just like trying to fish so I can pivot. Yeah. That is uncomfortable. And at the same time, I clock these three organizers yeah. who then come on stage like in the, in the middle of my like not doing well with this crowd, yeah. lady, crowd work lady. And then they come out, they're like, you're... We don't think you're entitled to say some of the jokes. I said which one specifically. Well, they said at first that like the tech guy left. Yeah, I think they. Were, I, I appreciate them trying to make it seem like not a, a thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, but I'm looking at the tech guy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's right there, and it's like it's like eight fifteen. That's a weird time for anything to shut down. Yeah, it's right, not right. on the hour. Right. You know, and so that's going on in my head, and they're like, I was like, which joke specifically? They're like the gay black one. I'm like. I was paying the audience. There's like maybe two black kids there. Yeah. And they seem to be having a good time. And uh, uh, I'm like, who, wh what about that am I not entitled to say? How do you know I'm not black? Yeah. <laughs> How do you know I'm not gay? Yeah. You know, but I didn't say any of that. Right. I was just like, am I, to my credit and to my detriment, I was almost too composed in that moment. Yeah. Because I was trying to be. Like, I felt flush. I felt like, I felt embarrassed. Like, what the fuck is yeah, going on yeah, right yeah, now? Yeah, yeah. But in the moment, I'm like, I'm 30, what, the 33 at the time? Yeah. I'm talking to a 19, 20 year old yeah. about what I'm entitled to do and not yeah. say. And, and you know, I clocked that one of her shoes is mismatched, but I'm not saying any of that. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, I could, I could make fun of you or I could say something crazy. I could make this really bad. Yeah, I could make this uncomfortable. I could end my career right now if you yeah. wanted me to. Um, but as I'm, and that, my biggest regret is that I wasn't funny enough in that moment. Be oh, right. Because I was like, in hindsight, I'm thinking of all the stupid shit I could have said. I could have, what I could have done. Okay, yeah. yeah. But I didn't. I was just trying to not get canceled, quote unquote, for something like say something like, oh, you're all like. Yeah, 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 yeah. You didn't want to push it. Exactly. And uh, so I tried to save it with the joke I'd done on Seth. Yeah. Uh, uh, about how, like, Asians, we got to be, you know, there's, there's a war going on in America, a race war. Asians got to choose a side. And that bombed. And uh, uh, then they cut my mic, and that was it. And it was such a, you know, flash forward weeks, months, years later, it still feels like people want to make me a victim of something. Right. And they can point to that as like, see, this is a real thing that's going on in this country. I'm like, like Tucker Carlson, like six months ago, three months ago, he did a documentary for Fox News. Yeah. And they took a clip of mine from Rogan when I'm talking about the same thing. Yeah. And trying to make it seem like, A, my career has been canceled, compromised. compromised. Yeah. And B, that like this was a victim. This is a. This a, is indicative of woke culture on campus. Exactly. It was just three young people who thought they were doing the right thing. Yeah. Then just, just happened to be wrong, you know? And, and, but that's interesting, though, because it, to, in your, to your credit, 
you didn't leave going like, damn, you can't say anything. And these yeah. fucking, yeah, it was a misunderstanding. It was just like, I can, you, at the risk of alienating France. Yeah. You can say whatever the fuck you want as long as it's funny. Right. And, right. and, and if you have to think about it and realize, well, there might be consequences, you have to yeah. be willing yeah. to take those on. Yeah. You can't. People get fired all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's just what happens. There's consequences to your actions. And if you but don't. But it doesn't mean you can't do it. Exactly. You know, it's just, it, it, but that's the challenge of it. Ride the line. Don't beat up on people that are already beat up. Yep. If you can. Yeah. You know, well, that's the whole thing. Like, I went, I was at the comedy store the other night and there were two comics in two different rooms talking about trans people. <laughs> do you know the ratio of trans people <laughs> to other people in this country? There's like four of them. <laughs> yeah. And like, in this Where is, are they? Yeah. It's like, this is the theme that has to be revisited over and over again it's just and it's not even a punching down thing it's just sort of like what is that yeah look for another well of material yeah you that's why the, the that's why i call them i think that's hacky because that's the definition of the hack yeah that there's this whole generation of comics going like oh here's my trans shit right it's, what is that it's just uh well you i think uh and and this is me very early on and, and probably until a few years ago was that I grew up loving Chris yeah, and loving Patrice uh, and Patrice. I came to know and love when I started comic, I yeah. didn't know Patrice before that, but Chris was like, is my goat. Right. And I aspired so much to be like Chris in the sense of this man is talking about the world, society, what everyone else is talking about yeah. in the best way possible. Right. And I will try to give my attempt at talking about that. Yeah. And so, like, for the comics that are talking about trans stuff or whatever the fuck that's in the ether, I think it's just a, an attempt to emulate the people they admire. But we're never—it only took—it it, it took so long for me to become personal. Yeah. It took Thank You China and uh, uh, Lucky Lefty for me to be like, you know what? There's so much more depth to be had— yeah, talking about myself, and it was something that Chris said to me. It was that the more specific you get, the more universal you become somehow, and also the less likely it is for people to take it. Exactly, and it's like if you can distill from your experience, growing up the son of a liquor store owner in uh, who 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 drank, and how you being Indian felt different than every other Indian, and how your ego was shattered as a 22-year-old college graduate. Yeah. If you can distill what you felt from that, then someone watching it will just take however they felt at another similar moment in their lives and glue that onto that, and now you become the most universal comedian there is because everyone goes through that similar ego-shattering thing. That's right. Everyone has a yeah. dad that they wish were more around in their lives. Yeah. Everyone has a mom that has her own right. trauma. Like that, or that is where you're going to really find comedy right. that is talking to people in a way that you want to talk and to. And your own. Yes. And and the, it's only when you've achieved that that you can have the gravity to talk about trans people or school shootings. You know, like that, that school shooting bit that Chris did in fuck after Columbine. Like, yeah. I got on the elevator and two high school white boys tried to dive on with me and I just dove off. Like, Y'all like, <laughs> ain't killing me. Like that remains the best school shooting bit. Yeah. And it's like only when you've talked about your life and how you work for minimum wage and, and, yeah. what, 
and, and how your dad drove a truck. Right. Only then, and in doing that, you earn the the gravity and the skills to talk about something with such depth. And, that's right, and and I and I think that's correct. And I think though, even given the situation at Columbia, what you're really dealing with is, you know, a, a hypersensitive uh, uh, kind of. Uh, elevated empathy mm-hmm. to others that is happening with young people, and yeah. they they just couldn't grasp the joke. Yes, that's really what it was. I just <laughs> didn't get it. Yeah, right. And that's my fault as much as it is yours. I didn't make it as funny as it could have been, and maybe I was going. No, for but it. to somebody in in their twenties, or to somebody that is formed and has their own opinions and understands the sensitivity of the joke. Yeah, it's like it's not. It's not. It's nothing. Yeah. It's like yeah. oh, that's an interesting point. Yeah, yeah exa- <laughs> that's what it, it is. is. It's exactly right. <laughs> So before we wrap it up, I, f- I forgot to ask. So how, how is it with the Jewish in-laws and your parents with the <laughs> Jews? Uh, my Jews and Hindus are very similar people. You know? <laughs> They're loud. They complain about each other's food. But they all but, get along? They all get along. Everything's super nice. You know, uh, I think early, like very early on in my relationship with my wife, but yeah. when she was my girlfriend at the time, I think only like two months in, my dad was like, so a white girl? And he's like, what about the culture? I'm like... I'm Indian. Let's not forget, you know, I'll yeah. be carrying this Indian torch. And he's like, all right. And that was it. <laughs> and then like, I, I, I will never forget it. You know, my, uh, parents invited her parents to our house, like meet and hang out yeah. for the first time. And, uh, my wife's dad, who I got to shout him out, Gene, who, uh, uh, I'll tell you the story in a second, who came to my house yeah. in shorts and, uh, like a Hawaiian shirt or like a, a a beer, like a yingling shirt or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad was like, I like this guy. Because <laughs> like if an Indian family goes to like someone else's house, they're like dressed up to the nines. Like, oh, we got to make a good impression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my father-in-law came with the shorts, cargo shorts, just had a beer. And he's yeah. like, my dad's like, you know, and they, they have this like bond where they like, they talk without talking kind of mm-hmm. thing. It's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, good day. And they yeah. laugh, have a, like, it's so funny to see. That's great. But, my father-in-law, Gene, like, he uh, uh, he wanted to do stand-up, like, a very, like in the 80s. Yeah. And then uh, had his daughters and had to kick that to the can- to yeah. side of the road. Yeah. But in uh, 2020, pandemic, he started, like, right before pandemic, he started yeah. going to open mics again in, like, Poughkeepsie there because he's from Connecticut. Yeah. It's, like, a 40-minute drive. And he's doing... And uh, uh, now sometimes when I'm on the road in like Bridgeport or wherever, like he'll come up and like do 10 before me. And it's so much fun. You know, it's the best fucking time because like he, he, like he's a 70 year old white guy. Yeah. And some of the shit he talks about, I was like, what the fuck? Where was that? Bro, what? You don't bring that up at Thanksgiving at all. And it's just like, like raunchy shit about him going to the hospital and his wife likes having sex. I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ, bro. I don't need to know any of this. Does he do well? He's done he's done poorly once or twice and he's done well once or twice. He crushed at my wedding. Yeah, oh, good. Like fucking destroyed. <laughs> that, that was the important gig. It was like it was like like uh I had a comics table. Yeah. And only one of my friends knew him, my friend Mookie, who uh opens for me, directed my Lucky Lefty special. Yeah. Mookie opened for me in Bridgeport, Connecticut, and Mookie has a closing joke implying that uh the principal of his school fucked his mom. Yeah. And so my father-in-law went up right after him and yeah. he goes, uh, goes, not only am I Mookie, not only am I uh, Nimesh's father-in-law, I'm also Mookie's principal. <laughs> they fucking leveled the room then. But in, in uh, at my wedding, he goes up 
and now I'm like nervous, yeah, right? Because yeah. I know he's got the chops. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I know yeah. he's got 12 of the funniest people on the planet watching him. And I know he knows that. Yeah. He goes up and just lavishes daughter, lavishes his daughter with praise that yeah. she deserves. Yeah. And then just fucking destroys me. And every like fuck. <laughs> like everyone's like, I'm like, and I'm I'm drunk and I'm like, we're gonna make you a star. <laughs> You're gonna be famous. You know, it was like You what? got that on video? Oh yeah. It's, I gotta put that shit out. It was everyone, my whole family's just fucking mean and funny. Everyone destroyed at my wedding. It was really annoying. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Good talking to you, man. You too, man. Thank you very much. Again, his comedy special, Lucky Lefty, is on YouTube, and you can go to findingthemesh.com for tickets to his Fast and Loose comedy tour. Uh, hang out for a minute. For full Marin listeners, we posted an archive deep dive this week that goes into detail on some past WTF episodes that could be considered problematic today. The point that we have to make around these episodes, and certainly around Patrice, and you know, even in 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 light of not a non-controversial episode, but a revealing one, the Robin Williams, is that many of these interviews, I would say, you know, most of them that I do, you know, function as fairly accurate and um, revealing portraits of a person. That's right. So it's like an oral portrait. Yeah. And and it's and all of them are of a time in whatever point in these people's lives that we record them, but. You know, you can't hide for an hour, really. And even if you're hiding from me in that hour, that's going to reveal something about your character or your personality. So, you know, what you're hearing and one another reason, I wouldn't even call it an argument, but another reason why these have to remain available is that they are that. They are historical portraits of these people, you know, done in an audio fashion. For all the weekly bonus episodes, as well as every WTF episode ad-free, sign up for The Full Marin by clicking on the link in the episode description or go to WTFPod.com and click on WTF+. Plus. Next week, we have comedian Amanda Seals on Monday and writer Andrew Leland on Thursday, who has a new book called The Country of the Blind about his progression uh, of losing his sight. Here we go. I, I guess what I'm using is not a quick track, but it's just a metronome. But I think it's helping.
Boomer lives. Monkey, LaFonda, Cat Angels everywhere.